Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. If it wasn't for Andrew's teachings, I would never be where I am today. I would never have victory. I would be living a life of defeat. It was Andrew's teaching that allowed me to develop that faith. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing a series that I started last Monday talking about how to prepare your heart. I have CDs and DVDs on this, and also we're offering a package deal that if you would like to receive these teachings on lessons from David and lessons from Elijah, these would really help you. And I started this teaching a week ago today talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 11 says, All of the things recorded in the Old Testament were, were recorded for our learning so that we could learn through them how not to lust, how not to murmur, how not to have all of these mistakes. And so this is one of the things that I've learned is how to prepare your heart. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14 says that Rehoboam did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. That's the reason that people fail is because they don't prepare. The word prepare means that you do it in advance. And they didn't in advance set their heart on seeking the Lord. They didn't commit themselves to being focused on God. And that's what I talked about all last week. Last Friday, I was dealing out of Psalms chapter 10. And in verse 17, I believe it is, it says that the Lord will prepare our heart when we humble ourselves, And so I was teaching last Friday that humility is an absolute uh, important part of having God prepare, establish, fix, or set your heart. All of those are definitions of the Hebrew word K-U-W-N that was used in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, where it says, He prepared not his heart. That's the way it's defined. And so to get your heart fixed, prepared, set, you have to humble yourself, which is talking about you just have to become God-dependent. You have to be focused on God. He, Psalms chapter 10, verse 4 says that not having God in all of your thoughts is pride and it's wicked. And those are big statements right there. And I know that the vast majority of Christians, I don't think any of us do this perfectly, but the vast majority of Christians don't even have this as a goal. The average Christian has a little bit of their life that they section off for God, like on Sundays or a daily devotion, or every once in a while they'll do something, but they don't keep their mind stayed upon the Lord. You know, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says to pray without ceasing. And there's a couple of ways you can take that. But one of the ways I believe that we pray without ceasing is that you just stay in an attitude of prayer. All of the time, you're in constant communion with the Lord. And again, I don't do this perfectly, but this is a goal of mine that if I'm sitting and watching television, I'm constantly in communion with the Lord. And if something I'm watching doesn't line up, if I don't feel like it's pleasing to the Lord, I quit watching it. I know that there's a lot of people that are saying, man, I'd have to get rid of my television set if I did that. Well, would that be so bad? The only thing you'd miss is my program and some other gospel programs that might be able to benefit you, but you could get that on the internet. 
BUT, YOU KNOW, MOST CHRISTIANS JUST DON'T EVEN HAVE THIS AS A DESIRE, BUT GOD PREPARES THE HEART OF THOSE WHO HUMBLE HIMSELF. LET ME USE A COUPLE OF OTHER SCRIPTURES HERE ON HUMILITY. OUT OF 1 PETER, CHAPTER 5, IN VERSE 5, IT SAYS, LIKEWISE, YE YOUNGER, SUBMIT YOURSELVES UNTO THE ELDER. YEA, ALL OF YOU BE SUBJECT ONE TO ANOTHER AND BE CLOTHED WITH HUMILITY. FOR GOD RESISTETH THE PROUD, BUT GIVETH GRACE TO THE HUMBLE. MAN, THAT'S A STRONG STATEMENT. I DON'T WANT GOD RESISTING ME. I DON'T WANT GOD AGAINST ME. I WANT TO BE ON HIS SIDE. TO HAVE GOD RESISTING YOU IS NOT GOOD. YOU ARE NOT GOING TO WIND UP WINNING IF YOU FIGHT AGAINST GOD. AND THIS SAYS GOD RESISTS THE PROUD, BUT GIVES GRACE TO THE HUMBLE. PUT THIS BACK TOGETHER WITH PSALMS CHAPTER 10, VERSE 4, WHERE IT SAYS PRIDE IS WHAT CAUSES PEOPLE NOT TO SEEK GOD. PRIDE IS WHAT CAUSES PEOPLE NOT TO HAVE GOD IN ALL OF THEIR THOUGHTS. SO IF YOU TAKE PSALMS CHAPTER 10, VERSE 4, AND PUT IT WITH THIS, YOU COULD SAY THAT GOD resists RESISTS THOSE WHO DON'T SEEK HIM. GOD RESISTS THOSE WHO DON'T KEEP THEIR MIND STAYED UPON HIM. NOW, THERE'S A LOT OF YOU WATCHING THAT you, YOU DON'T EVEN THINK IT'S POSSIBLE, MUCH LESS GOOD, TO KEEP YOUR MIND STAYED ON GOD ALL OF THE TIME, BUT YOU'VE NOT THOUGHT ABOUT THIS, BUT GOD IS RESISTING THOSE WHO DON'T KEEP THEIR MIND STAYED UPON THE LORD. THOSE ARE STRONG STATEMENTS, BUT THIS IS PART OF HUMILITY. HUMILITY IS JUST BEING SO GOD-DEPENDENT. YOU KNOW, MOSES, IT SAYS IN uh, NUMBERS CHAPTER 12, VERSE 3, THAT MOSES WAS THE MEEKEST MAN ON THE EARTH. AND MOSES IS THE ONE WHO WROTE THAT. MOSES WAS MEEK, AND LOOK HOW HE WAS USED. LOOK HOW GOD USED HIM. YOU CAN FIND A COMMON TRAIT THAT GOD RESISTS THE PROUD, BUT HE GIVES GRACE UNTO THE HUMBLE. AND MOSES WAS A MAN. ONE OF THE WAYS THAT YOU DEFINE HUMILITY IS JUST GOD-DEPENDENCE. AND I THINK IT WAS EXODUS CHAPTER 34, IF I'M NOT MISTAKEN, THAT MOSES WAS ASKING TO SEE THE GLORY OF THE LORD. AND HE SAYS, GOD, SHOW ME YOUR GLORY. AND HE WAS PLEADING WITH THE LORD. AND THE LORD ANSWERED HIM AND SAID, I WILL BE WITH YOU, AND I WILL GO WITH YOU. AND MOSES' RESPONSE TO THAT WAS, HE SAYS, GOD, IF YOU AREN'T GOING WITH US, I'M NOT MOVING FROM HERE. AND THEN HE GOES ON TO SAY, BASICALLY, I WANTED MORE THAN THAT. I WAS TAKING IT FOR GRANTED THAT YOU WERE GOING WITH ME, BUT IF YOU DON'T GO WITH ME, I'M NOT MOVING FROM THIS PLACE. YOU KNOW WHAT THAT IS? THAT'S HUMILITY. THAT IS DEPENDENCE UPON GOD. AND THAT'S THE WAY THAT ALL OF US SHOULD BE, THAT GOD... YOU KNOW, uh, SOLOMON SAID THIS WHEN THE LORD ASKED HIM IN A DREAM, WHAT DO YOU WANT? I'LL GIVE YOU ANYTHING YOU WANT. AND HE SAID, YOU'VE MADE ME RULER OVER YOUR PEOPLE, THIS GREAT PEOPLE, AND I'M LIKE A CHILD. I DON'T KNOW HOW TO GO OUT AND COME IN. I NEED YOUR WISDOM. YOU KNOW WHAT HE WAS EXPRESSING? WAS HUMILITY, DEPENDENCE UPON GOD. AND SO ONE OF THE WAYS TO DEFINE HUMILITY HERE IS THAT YOU NEED TO BE GOD-DEPENDENT. GOD NEEDS TO BE IN ALL OF YOUR THOUGHTS. YOU DON'T NEED TO BE DOING ANYTHING. YOU NEED TO BE LIKE MOSES, THAT, GOD, I'M NOT MOVING UNTIL YOU TELL ME WHERE TO MOVE, HOW TO MOVE. I'M, I'm GOD-DEPENDENT. THAT'S WHAT THESE VERSES ARE SAYING. IF YOU AREN'T THAT WAY, GOD RESISTS THOSE WHO AREN'T GOD-DEPENDENT, WHO AREN'T SEEKING HIM, WHOSE MIND ISN'T STAYED UPON HIM, BUT HE GIVES GRACE UNTO THE HUMBLE. AND THEN IT GOES ON TO SAY IN VERSE 6, HUMBLE YOURSELVES, THEREFORE, UNDER THE MIGHTY HAND OF GOD, THAT HE MAY EXALT YOU IN DUE TIME. BOY, THERE'S A LOT IN THESE VERSES. I'M SKIPPING THROUGH THIS QUICKLY, BUT LOOK AT THIS. IT SAYS, HUMBLE YOURSELVES. 
Humility is something you have to do. If it's done to you, it's not humility, it's humiliation. And there's a lot of people who've been humiliated, and because of that, they they feel shame and condemnation, and a lot of people think, see how humble they are. No, they're humiliated. Humility is something you have to do. You could use the same uh, comparison here when you're talking about submission. Some people will, you know, say that we're supposed to submit. Matter of fact, right here it says, you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. And some people think, well, submission, you, I'm, I'm your elder, you submit unto me. You can't make a person submit. You can make a person obey, but submission is an attitude of the heart and it has to be done voluntarily. If it's forced upon you, it's not humility, it's not submission, it is obedience. You can force obedience, you can force compliance, but submission is an attitude of the heart. I heard a story one time about a little kid that was in church and he was playing with his cars on the front pew and he was, you know, doing this and he got into going and, and, you know, speeding up and doing all this and it was bothering the preacher. And finally the preacher says, stop. And this little kid goes, this and stops. And then he says, now you sit down and shut up. And so the kid sat down on the pew and crossed his arms like this, and he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. See, you can force a person to obey you, but he wasn't submitted. He was just obeying out of duress. And you can force a person into humiliation when their sin or their error that they've done is made public, but that doesn't mean that they're humble. Humility is something you embrace. It's something you voluntarily do. And so going back to this verse in verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Did you know in God's kingdom, the way up is down? Jesus found his disciples arguing about which one was going to be the greatest. And two of his disciples, James and John, came with their mother and asked if they could sit one on his right hand and one on his left hand. And so they were always jockeying for position. Who could get the highest seat and stuff? And Jesus told them, he says, you know, in the world system, those who are in authority exercise dominion and lordship over you, but it's not that way in the kingdom of God. He that will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the least. And he that is going to rule over others has to learn to be a servant of all. That's what this verse is talking about. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You submit yourself to God. You let God be the one who exalts you, and He will exalt you. This is not saying that if you are humble, that you'll never be recognized for anything. No, God will exalt you, but you don't have to exalt and promote yourself. You know, I hesitate to use myself as an example on this because I'm certainly not perfect in this area and I'm opening myself up to criticism, but to a degree, I have been living these things. And there was times in my life where God showed me he wanted me to minister to people all around the world. And yet, I i mean, people were staying away from my meetings by the thousands and hardly anybody. You know, I was, I was just barely touching few people. And so there was always this temptation or this desire to force something to happen, to kick the doors down, to make it happen. And yet... Really, I'm blessed in one sense that I don't have 
a lot of natural talents and abilities, and I am not a self-confident person, and I just didn't know how to make it happen. And so because of it, I was really in a position where I had no option except just to seek the Lord and wait on the Lord, and God has exalted me. But the reason I bring this up is to say I've got some friends who were, we were kind of going along at the same pace, and they, in a sense, tried to force things. One person that I know of, he came up with a teaching, and he went out and borrowed, I forgot the exact figure, but this was like fifty or $70,000, and this is 20 or 30 years ago. He borrowed this money, went in debt to produce this really fancy teaching and all of this stuff, and he was going to market it, and all this money was going to come in, and that's what was going to jumpstart his ministry. And so he went into all of this debt trying to knock the door down, force, force his ministry to work. And, you know, it wound up not working. The guy wound up dying. He's not even with us anymore. And I could give you other examples like that of people trying to force these things. But you just need to humble yourself and keep yourself in a position with the Lord. And if you'll do that, God will exalt you. I had some people, if I was to call their names, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about. But when they got started in ministry, they came to me and asked me how to get started. And so I gave them some advice. And then they just passed me up like I was going in reverse. And I mean, they are some of the most famous ministers on the planet today. And I looked at that, and it made me think about, God, what do I have to do to start reaching more people and to impact more people with, with the truths that you've shown me? But I just kept with the Lord. And now God has blessed me, and uh, I'm right up there with them, reaching people. So anyway, this says, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. There is a due time to things. If You know, it's like uh, if you're cooking something. If you take it out, you may be hungry, but if you take it out too early, it may not be cooked. It may still be doughy in the middle. It may, you know, there could be all kinds of problems. You have, there is a due time. And sometimes people, the reason things aren't working is just because it's not time. Again, back in the very first, when the Lord first touched me and showed me that what the things that He wanted me to do, I remember one time praying and just saying over and over, Oh, God, use me. Oh, God, use me. I was just badgering the Lord about, God, I want to be used. I want to touch people's lives. And the Lord spoke to me, and He says, The reason I'm not using you is because you aren't usable. He says, if I was to grant your opinion, your desire, and right now, if I was to put you on television and give you a worldwide ministry, and if I was to do all of these things, you'd blow the whole thing. You'd mess the whole thing up. You'd cause problems. You'd never be able to recover from it. The reason God wasn't using me was because I wasn't usable. And He spoke to me, and He says, if you'll just seek me, if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, I will exalt you in due time. And that's exactly what God has done. God has blessed us and given us a worldwide voice now, and we're touching people and stuff. But there was a due time to it, and you can get ahead of God. You don't want to be behind God, but you don't want to be ahead of Him. You need to walk in step with Him. And then it goes on to say in the next verse, in verse 7, it says, "...casting all your care upon Him, because He careth for you." Did you know people often take that out of context and just talk about casting your care over on the Lord? But the context of all of this is about humility. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you. And here's how you humble yourself. This is one of the characteristics 
of humble people. They cast all of their care upon the Lord, for He careth for them. You know, if you are a person that's worrying about something, say you've got a financial problem and you're trying to figure out how you're going to make, make ends meet, you know, during this virus thing, man, there's so many people that have been put out of work. There's businesses that have had to scale back and it's put pressure on a lot of people. I've heard some estimates. I don't remember the exact details, but they're saying that there could be millions of small businesses that go out of business because they just didn't have the reserves. They didn't have the ability to close down and keep things going. And so anyway, you may be in one of these situations and if you are sitting here just constantly worrying about, God, how am I going to do this? God, how am I going to keep my family together? How am I going to overcome this sickness, overcome these financial problems? And if it keeps you up at night and you're worrying about it, I'm saying this in love, but you have not humbled yourself because part of humility is casting all of your care upon the Lord because He cares for you. If you are feeling this burden and this weight and you're just constantly beat down over God, how is this going to work out? That's not humility. Humility is saying, God, this is your problem. I'm serving you. I've committed my life to you. I've humbled myself. And part of that humility is I'm giving this problem to you. God, it's your problem. You know, I have a little cartoon that I got many years ago and I keep it around where I can see it. And it's a, it's just a little black and white drawing that somebody made. And it's a guy sitting up in bed. He's propped up in bed and his eyes are big and bloodshot. You can tell that he's got insomnia. He's just, he's just awake and he's worrying about stuff. And there's one of these things where, you know, somebody says something and it's coming down from heaven. It's God speaking and the caption says, my child, go to sleep. I'm going to be up all night long anyway. And man, that really speaks to me that instead of me staying up and worrying about it, you know, the scripture says over in one of the Psalms, it says it's vain for you to rise up early and to stay up late to eat the bread of sorrows because the Lord gives his beloved sleep. You can cast your care about it over on the Lord. The same problems that you were dealing with, they'll be there tomorrow. Just let it go. Say, God, it's your problem. And I know it's easier to say this than it is to do it. But nonetheless, if you are a person who is stressed out and you are just overwhelmed with what am I going to do? It looks like disaster staring you in the face. You just need to give it over to God. You know, a good friend of mine, Bob Nichols, he's on my board of directors. He pastored Calvary Cathedral in Fort Worth. They just recently turned that church over to another church. But he's been in the ministry for over 50 years. He's been through some really hard times, and I've been with him through some of them. And one time he was facing a financial deal where he had uh, notes coming due on his building. It looked like he was going to lose everything. Nobody would give him a loan. Nothing would work out. And I mean, it looked like he was going to lose everything after decades being in the ministry. And he lived in the Fort Worth area. And so uh, if I get the story correct, he went out into a field. And he spent all night long praying in this field, just saying, oh, God, you got to do something. God, I've got to have a miracle. And he was just praying. And finally, it began to get light. And he noticed that people were, you know, driving by. They'd be able to see him out in this field. And so anyway, he hadn't got an answer from God, but it was getting light. He didn't want to be out in this field, people thinking he's crazy. So he went back and got in his car. And when he turned the car on, 
Immediately, a voice came on and said, Preacher, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And he immediately turned his car off. He thought, God, is that, is that you? And it turned out that that was R.W. Schambach. That was one of his sayings that he used to give. But there for just a second, he didn't realize that it was the radio that he had left on, and it was R.W. Shambach. He took it as a voice from God. And as he processed all of this, he thought, and he says, but God, if that had been you, would it, would it be any different than hearing it from R.W.? And he says, that's it. You're, you've got my problem. I don't have a problem. You've got a problem. And he just cast his care over on the Lord. And I forget all of the exact details, but there was a rich cowboy who had been listening to him on the radio, and he came in and basically asked, what can I do to help? And Bob shared with him. He says, we've got these notes coming due. I can't pay for them. I can't get the bank to loan me any money. And this cowboy, he was a very rich man. He just walked down to the bank. He walked into that guy and he says, you help my friend, Bob Nichols. I may, you know, but anyway, that's basically what happened. I may not be exact words, but all of a sudden he had his loan. Everything was taken care of and praise God, they got that building paid for and he got out of it. But it happened when he cast his care over on the Lord. That's part of humility. If you're truly humble, you're a person that just says, I don't care. Now that could be taken wrong. It's not that you don't care, but you have cast your care over on the Lord and you are waiting on God. Now God will show you, God will have you do something. I'm not saying that you just, you know, go to sleep or lay in your hammock and do nothing. You need to do things, but you need to do it at the direction of the Lord. You need to say, God, this is your problem. What do you want me to do about it? And then you don't do things trying to get God to move. You do things in response to what God is telling you to do. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in taking responsibility and then just responding to His ability. And from other people's standpoint, it may look like you're doing the same things, but the difference is you've cast your care over on the Lord. You've humbled yourself. And remember the verse that I was using from Psalms chapter 10, verse 17. The Lord will prepare the heart of people who humble themselves. So humility is a must. If you want God to prepare your heart, if you want your heart to be fixed, established, set on the things of God so that when temptation comes, you don't give in to it because you've already prepared in advance it was taken care of, then humility is a big part of that. And part of humility is casting your care over on the Lord and making this God's problem. I tell you, the things that I've been sharing on this series are things that are not common, even in the body of Christ. Most people, they just live a life of anxiousness, worry, and they just think, I can't, I can't get rid of this. You can. You can cast your care. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, You have spiritual weapons that allow you to bring every thought into captivity and under obedience to Christ. You can do this. You can't do it in yourself, but you can do it with God's power, but you have to submit to it and yield to it. Let me again mention that I'm offering this teaching on how to prepare your heart. I've got it in CD and DVD, and then we're also offering a package deal that if you want to get these teachings about David and Elijah, 
This is the same truths just illustrated through different lives, and I promise you this would be a big help to you. So listen to our announcer as he gives you all the details, and please call or write today. Andrew's teaching, How to Prepare Your Heart, is available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Let me encourage you once again to please get this product entitled How to Prepare Your Heart. I've got it in CDs and DVDs. This is all new teaching. And then we have a package deal where you can also get a book on Lessons from David and the book on Lessons from Elijah. It's all complimentary teaching. And I tell you, this is something that you need. You don't need to wait until you're in the middle of the battle before you start trying to overcome. You need to prepare in advance, and this will help you do that. You can get this teaching in the How to Prepare Your Heart package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album from the How to Prepare Your Heart series, as well as two books, Lessons from Elijah and Lessons from David. This package has a catalog value of $50, but today you can receive these valuable resources for just $35. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. I'd like to ask you to pray about becoming a partner with us. You know, our ministry is based in the United States, but we have 16 offices around the world. We've got altogether around 70 Bible schools scattered around the world. So if you are looking for a good return on your investment, I believe that this is a good ministry. It'll touch you right where you are. And I encourage you to become a partner with us today and help us put the gospel out all around the world. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. I'd like to encourage all of you who claim to really have a relationship with the Lord to get out and vote in these upcoming elections. I'm amazed that there were over 25 million Christians registered to vote who did not vote in the last election cycle. I tell you, that's sin. That's wrong. We have not only the privilege, but a responsibility to vote. So I'd just like to encourage you to take your Christian responsibility to vote seriously. Get out and vote for righteousness this election. Did you know that God created you for great things? He's placed His power and purpose inside you, and He wants to do more in your life than you can think or imagine. At Karis, get immersed in the Word of God and walk in power and purpose for a lifetime. At the time that I enrolled in classes, I wasn't able to move all the way to Colorado and you know, uproot my life. The flexibility of correspondence school was one of the biggest draws for me to enroll. I could get things done throughout the day and then I could go home and, and do my lessons. It's been such a blessing for me, for my family, 
just to see what God can do in a person's life when they just surrender and say, okay, God, I'll follow you. My name is Macy and I was a first year correspondence student. You can complete your first year of Karis Bible College as a correspondence student. Go to karisbiblecollege.org to learn more. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv.